Hey, so, um, uh, you know, I, I was uh, thinking, and here's something to think about, that uh, we're going to look at uh, Genesis chapter 3 today, but without Genesis 3, all we would need for a Bible is Genesis 1 and 2. That's all we'd need. If we had only Genesis 1 and 2, that would be all we need for the Word of God. But Genesis 3 introduces uh, man's rebellion and, uh, uh, and God's redemption for man because of that rebellion. And then the entire rest of the Word of God is about man's rebellion and God's redemption. It's a beautiful story in there. And so when we look at the fall, it's all part of, it was part of God's plan uh, and that he would one day redeem us. Adam and Eve, they were innocent, but we get to be redeemed. And there's a big value in being redeemed over simply being innocent. And we'll hopefully talk about that as we get in there. But the thought is this, that if we didn't have Genesis 3, we wouldn't need the rest of the Bible. Because in Genesis 1 and 2, what we looked at, it said in the beginning, God created. And if you can believe that, that God created everything, as I said last week, then you should have no problem with the rest of Scripture. No problem with any of it. Because if God created, he created the, he created the ingredients, he created uh, how they went together. He created the whole thing, and so we're accountable to him. So in the beginning, God created, and he created the heavens and the earth. He created it all. Man, we read about, uh, and if you want to go back and look at it, and one of the interesting statements, and I've had a lot of conversations with people since last week about Genesis 1 and 2, and one of the common denominators is this, that in Genesis 1 and 2, there's a lot of things in there that Man, 10 years ago would have been duh statements. <laughs> like, duh, why are you telling us this, Pastor? We know this. This is duh. And then now, 10 years later, these are not duh statements. They are fighting words in our civilization. And so it's important we go back to the basics. We go back to the beginning and we see because so many of the things the world is arguing about and fussing about and Christians are trying to figure out how to, how to cohesively fit into this world with are already answered in Genesis 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created that. And we saw he created the earth. He created, he separated the, 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 the heavens. He created the ocean. He created the atmosphere. He created every, all the critters going in the atmosphere, all of them going in the ocean. He created this, the dry green lands. He created the crops. And what was true about all those things that he created, two things that were true. One is that they all reproduced after their own kind, right? And, and the other thing uh, about not only re reproducing after their own kind, but after God created each one of those days, what did he say? It was, it was good. And, and, and then he created man. And the unique thing about man, this is super unique, more unique than any animal. And, and again, I was making fun of purse dogs and all kinds of stuff last week. And, uh, but, but in reality, it wasn't saying, you know, I love my dog, all right, <laughs> in all of that. And I'm not going to try to redeem myself in all of that. But anyways, uh, but, but in that, the point is, is that humans are far superior to animals. Amen? They are. I know you look in society and sometimes you're thinking, whoa, I don't know, but uh, because of the way people act, because we're not acting in the image of God. What we're doing is we're going back and acting like pure animals out of instinct. I'll never forget back in the day when they were starting to introduce condoms to middle schoolers and high schoolers. And, and I'll never forget the conversations in our staff meetings and stuff at church was, they're just basically telling kids, we know that you can't control yourself. We know you can't, you can't resist and do the right thing. We know you can't control yourself. So what we're going to do is we're going to uh, try to act upon your instinct. When, when a 12-year-old girl, they brought a girl in, uh, I'll bring this up real super quick, we're going to move on, but uh, just recently, I, you know how you get Facebook, anybody have Facebook, and then you hit the news, oh, that's one of the most horrible things you can do is hit the Facebook news that's programmed specifically for you, and, and, and then they try to get your logarithms, well, there it was, a 12-year-old girl in, um, uh, in West Virginia. She was a headline story in the liberal news, the liberal media, and you know, the regular media. It's all messed up. She was, she was the headline in there, and her big thing is that West Virginia, because now that Roe versus Wade is gone at this point, 
what that did was it took the decision out of a Supreme Court, which it never should have been, and it went back to the people. Now you can vote whether you think abortions are legal or illegal and what the conditions should be for them. You get to do that within your state. And if you don't like how your state votes, you can move to a state that has the vote the way you like it. It's not nationwide anymore. So it was actually giving people freedom in there. But West Virginia was now having a vote in their, in their state legislature as to what they were going to allow abortion for and not. And they had had an, a thing against, you know, that for incest and rape, that yes, we would. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. It's a whole other issue. But the point is, they had that in there. And here's the 12-year-old girl's quote. 12-year-old girl's quote. What she said in, in 12 years old. What should a 12-year-old be doing right now? Playing with doll, playing with some, again, oh, you're a misogynist. Well, that might be what you call me now. I'm just saying, Terry, 12 years old, what do you want your daughters doing? Yeah, playing on the beach, right. And this 12-year-old girl, what she said was, this was her quote, or at least this is what the media said her quote was, man, I am an athlete, I am a, I am a good student, I, am, I have dreams, I have hopes, desires. What about my body? That's why we should have abortion. What about my body? If I get pregnant, in other words, I shouldn't have to stay pregnant. Well, what about your body? Hey, guess what? There's something you can do with your body at 12 years old to not get pregnant. You know? Does anybody agree with me here? Is there something you can do as a 12-year-old to not get pregnant? Now, they'd already made this stipulation for rape and, and incest. And, and again, we're not discussing whether that's right, wrong, or different because everybody feels different. Enough. But I'm just saying, a 12-year-old. She's saying, what about my body? Well, what about the baby's body? But again, that's a whole nother topic. But a 12-year-old, that's what hit me. Man, a 12-year-old, what about my body? It's going to blow all my dreams up. Because, well, why don't you have self-control? Why don't you do something that won't get you pregnant and go on? And that's all part of the curse of where we're at. God created everything, and he said, it is good. Are 12-year-olds supposed to be having sex? No. And you know what? Mark my words. Give me a tinfoil hat again, and I'm going to get back on the scripture, I promise. But, but you will see very soon. You're going to see. It's going to be okay for adults to have sex with 12-year-old girls. It already is okay in Islam and widely accepted. And I don't care what your Islamic neighbor might say, but that is a thing worldwide. Period. Nothing wrong. And you want to go down to 9, 10, 8, so on. But again, you're going to see society because what one generation tolerates, the next generation accepts. And it's all because of the curse. When you choose to go against how God decided to make things, you now have no boundaries and you have to accept. You might be okay with this outside of God's boundary, but you are not okay with this, you know, and you, you don't have the choice. It's either God's boundaries or it's chaos. It's anarchy in this. So God's plan, he created it all, and it was good. He said it was good. And the difference between everything he created and man, what was unique about the way he created man? He created man in what? His own image. Terry, I haven't picked on you in so long, dude. You looked in a mirror this morning, right? Look at you, bro. You're tucked in. You're all. You looked in a mirror this morning, right? What did the image in the mirror do? Yeah, it did. It did the exact same thing you did. We talked about this last week. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. But when you looked in the, your room, you looked into a mirror. You cannot have hair that nice without just looking in a mirror and fixing it. When you moved, the image in the mirror did what? The exact same thing. If it didn't do the exact same thing, is it your image? No. And man was created with the ability to mimic God, to do what God wants him to do, not live off of instinct. That's the unique thing about man, created in God's Man, when we go out, out into the uh, paddleboarding and stuff, man, how many of y'all ever heard my whole upside-down jellyfish spiel? Come on, let me see your hand. You heard my whole upside-down jellyfish spiel, right? Upside-down mangrove jellyfish. And, and man, we pick this jellyfish up, ask you if you want to kiss it, right? And some of y'all are like, oh, you're stupid. No, but some of y'all are stupid and you kiss it like me. I kiss it first, but anyways, that, that jellyfish, dude, it, it, it goes and it'll, it'll swim and it flips over in the right amount of water, 
and then it'll use its bell to suck itself down into the sand and attach itself and anchor it, and it's upside down, and it has eight oral feeder arms with lots of surface area, and it's got some pretty little things, you know, in there. I thought you were attracting fish, but it's not. Their whole purpose in life is to grow algae. That's their whole purpose in life is to grow algae, and they have a uh, symbiotic relationship with that algae. So what that would mean is that, Carrie, you guys have some kids. If you had a symbiotic relationship with your kids, y'all would have kids. And the value for you is you get to eat a few of them. Uh, but, but that, fortunately, we don't have symbiotic relationships with our kids, right? But, but that's what it does. It grows algae and it gets to eat some of it. That jellyfish does exactly what God created it to do. Is that not crazy? Where, Chuck, does that jellyfish have a brain? No, and it doesn't have eyes to look say, oh, where should I go? What is God's will for my life? No, it doesn't. Man, dude, it doesn't have a brain. It doesn't have eyes. It doesn't even have a backbone to stand up against the other jellyfish trying to lead it against God or anything like that. How does it know to do what it's supposed to do? Instinct. God put it in this animal to perfectly obey him, perfectly obey him, and it does out of instinct. Can you imagine with the choice that we have, God gives us the ability to make choices. Can you imagine if we obeyed God with our choice as much as that jellyfish obeyed God with its instinct? Man, would your relationship to God be closer? Yeah, but God gave us a choice. He made us in his own image with the ability to mimic him, the ability to be like him. That's how he created Adam and Eve. Man, all they knew was good. They didn't know evil. How many of y'all know evil? <laughs> yes, you see evil. You have to look very far, right? All, can you imagine if all you did was wake up and it was all good? I mean, dude, isn't that why everybody smokes weed and does drugs and stuff? Because they're like tired of seeing evil. It's like, I want to see good. It's, it's there. So, man, so what I'm saying is, is that God made them that way so all they could see was good and no evil. He didn't want their eyes open to evil. Now, why did God put a tree? Why did he put a tree in the middle of the garden and say, oh, you can eat of everything, including the tree of eternal life, right? That's in there. You guys can eat of anything except what? The tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil. Why would, why would God do that? Man, man that, wouldn't it be better if he didn't? Uh, to Steve, wouldn't it be better if God just would have left that tree somewhere else, not, not even said anything? Hey, you're the type of person when he brings it up and says, hey, don't do that. What are you looking to do? That, yeah, I've, yeah, exactly. Any of y'all like that? Don't touch the easy, don't touch that red button. It's like, oh my goodness, oh, yeah. He put it there, why? Because the only way that we can show him we love him is by choosing him. And if there's no choice, you can't make a choice. Hey, there's the deepest statement you're gonna hear today. You're like, oh, we can just leave now. Yeah, go ahead, but there's more. But the deepest, uh, listen to this, the deepest statement is this, if there is no choice, you can't make a choice. So God had to make a choice. So how many are like, God, I wish God just wouldn't give me a choice. I wish he'd just like make it plain and he put blinders, put a path and I could just, man, you're making a choice about college. Didn't it get confusing? Where, what, why God? Just give us clear direction, point us there. And then boom, God wants you to make choices all along the way as to what he wants you to do. If there is no choice, you can't make a choice, but he gives you a choice to show that you love him. That's his purpose in all that. So that's what he did. He put man, created him in his own image, not the image of a jellyfish, not the image of an instinctive animal. I mean, when animals are going to mate, right? What does he do? He puts them in heat. How many of y'all deer hunters here? Any deer hunters? Dude, when do you hunt? When's the rut? <laughs> I mean, what I'm saying is with everything, it's, 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 it's predictable. But with us, we have the ability to follow God if we want it. But what separates us from God is sin. It clouds it. It distorts it. it. You ever go to the fair and look at one of those mirrors? Y'all ever seen yourself in one of those mirrors? Dude, you're like, what did it go to the fair? Dude, you should have seen the mirror I had at my house today. It made me look fat. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> distorted. Sin distorts what we see in our ability to follow God. And so what happened what happened is God said, okay, um, man, I'm making man in my own image. And after he made man in his own image, what did he say? Everything else he said, it is good. 
He looked at what he saw and said, it's good. What did he say after he made man, y'all? Very good. Yeah. Look at that. Next time you look in the mirror, go up there and say, it is very good. That's what God's saying. That's what God's saying about because you have the ability to be like him. What a privilege that we don't have to act like animals. We can have our logic. We have, when we're born again, we have his spirit living in us to live a righteous, holy life that he's given us the power to live. And so, so here we are. We have all of that. And, uh, uh, and, and, and here's Adam. So go to, go to chapter two super quick. Here's Adam. And Adam is like naming the animals. And he's seeing pairs of animals come, right? Oh, yeah, that's a bull and that's a heifer. He, he was naming them, right? That's what it said. He's looking at all these pairs, and, and, and he's there by himself. So what's he kind of thinking, y'all? Where, where's, where's, where's my heifer? Oh, no, well, where's my? <laughs> you know, <laughs> y'all don't use that line on your wife, all right? I'm just saying. But where's my partner? Where's my partner at? Because he's looking at all of them line up, and he's like, hmm. And God says, hey, Adam, how do you like things? And he's like, it's all right. It's good. But God knew what he was missing. Only God knew what he was missing. Adam didn't know the solution, so God put Adam to sleep. We talked about this all last week. You're like, yeah, I know. Get on to the new stuff. But anyways, we, <laughs> um, no, this is what I'm supposed to talk about now. <laughs> but, so here we are, man, and, and, and God put him asleep. And how was Adam made? What did, how did he make the first man, y'all? What did he make him out of? Dirt. Does it take faith to believe that's true? Rick, does it take faith for you to believe you're, that the original man was made out of dirt? And then God made a, I don't know, it's kind of like a little mud man or whatever. I'm watching these kids out on the sandbar last week, and they're all making dirt pies and stuff. And I was thinking about God making a dirt. You guys saw them all. Y'all escaped all the little kids throwing mud, didn't you? Right? And, and you know, like God puts nostrils in it. And then what did God do? He blew in it. And this dirt clawed became a living man in God's image. But it's God's breath that makes him like God, makes him a living image. And then he laid him down to sleep when he kind of didn't have a part. He didn't know what he needed, but God did. And from his side, from his side, he took, he took a rib. Does it take faith to believe that God took a rib from Adam and he created a woman? And someone once said it wasn't from his head. You know, that where he, she could rule over him. It wasn't from his foot where he ruled over her. It was from his side. He took a rib and he created Eve. Now, I am aware of how men and women are created right now, and we are not created from dirt clods and ribs, all right? But that's how he started it all. That's what God said. And how many genders did he make? He made two. There's a big answer to a big question that our world seems to have right now. There were two man and woman, and they were created to be helpmates for each other. The man was created to run things. That's what he was created to do. We saw that last week. He put him in charge of everything. He said, man, you need a helper. You need a helper. You need someone to encourage you, someone to come alongside you and be strong where you're weak and weak where you're strong. You, you're the leader. I'm holding you accountable. We're going to see that in Genesis 3, but you need a helper. And that's what he created Eve to be was a helper. Now, he was a man, right? And then when he woke up, and God said, how do you like that? What did he say? Do y'all remember what he said when he saw Eve the first time? Whoa, man. <laughs> he said, woman, right? He said, whoa, man, <laughs> this one's different. Oh, my goodness. Read it. Just go read it. That's what he's like, woman. <gasps> whoa. And it was perfect to what he needed. And it was, even though he's in charge and she's there to help, Man, they're equal but different, and they're there to be partners, to walk alongside. I listen to you guys talking in all different ways, praising God for them. You know the majority of y'all praise God for? That he brought other people in your life to help you see life from his perspective. That's what most of y'all say, because you can't do it alone. You can't. That's what almost all y'all's praises were in so many ways. But that's how he created Adam and Eve and what he created them for. And man, he looked down and said, man, this is awesome. And he went through the whole marriage thing. You're supposed to leave, you're supposed to cleave, and you're supposed to weave your lives together. And don't let man separate what God has put together. And that's where we ended. And they were supposed to procreate. They were supposed, how long was Adam and Eve supposed to live originally, y'all? 
forever. The wages of sin is death, both physical death and spiritual death. We'll talk about that in a minute. But they were supposed to live forever. And, and they were supposed to be in a perfect place. And they were supposed to be innocent. And they were supposed to populate. Because what did God tell Adam and Eve to do? Go make babies. Go multiply and fill the earth. Be fruitful and multiply. So, dude, that was supposed to go on. And if all we had was Genesis 1 and 2, man, then that's all we would need in the Bible because everything they needed was there. But now we get into Genesis 3. And it doesn't complicate things. It doesn't even, God's like, oh, no, they messed up. Dude, who told them they were naked in the garden? Oh, my goodness. what? Now you've messed up all our plan. No, from the very beginning, God's plan was redemption, which is way better being redeemed than being innocent. In this, innocence is one part of redemption. So let's take a look at Genesis chapter three and see what uh, we have. So it starts out here, they are in the garden, perfect garden, uh, perfect. Uh, their parents were perfect. They were innocent, at least. They weren't perfect. They were innocent. They, they had perfect environment. Uh, their father was God, the father, perfect parents, perfect everything. Is it possible to mess things up with having everything perfect? Yes. You don't need, how many of y'all, Chuck, do you need any help to mess anything up? Or can you do it all by yourself? Yes, Rick, I watched you, dude, play disc golf with me the other day. You can mess it up all by yourself, bro. But you were good at finding that uh, Devin's disc. Yes, that was your, the key value you brought in all that. And I hope your body's recovered. So, all right. So, but here they are. It says, now the serpent. Now, when we talk about a serpent, whether it was a snake, a dragon, uh, we know that later we're going to see him crawl on its belly. So again, it's not about what the critter was. It, it, we'll see more about it. But at this point, it wasn't what you would think is a normal snake or whatever. But the important thing is we know that the serpent was who? Satan. Satan is called later in scripture, the, sa- the serpent, the deceiver. The sa- and, and, and what we've seen before in scripture is we've got three enemies, guys. We do have Satan who is the enemy, uh, and he has a world system because he's called king of this world. This is, he is the ruler of this world in both the Old and New Testament. God has allowed him to do that. Somebody was talking about being attacked or being, you know, really attacked uh, earlier. I want to encourage you that your son, you said, man, he's really under, I want to encourage you to know that if anybody's under attack, they had to have permission from God to be attacked. So no, God's got a purpose in that. God's not, God, it's for God's glory and it's for their good and their good is becoming more like him. We have, so we have Satan as our enemy. He created a world system. This world is our enemy. This world system is our enemy, according to 1 John 2.16, which we'll talk about later. And you know who the biggest enemy is? Who's the biggest enemy? We've got Satan. We've got this world system. Who's your biggest enemy, y'all? Our flesh, you. Everybody, oh, the devil made me do, oh, the devil's attacking me. No, it's you wanting to do what you want to do as opposed to what God wants you to do. We have our flesh that desires this world system. Our world system is the ultimate manufactured bait to hook our flesh. It has everything our flesh aside from God wants. And, and it's, uh, so Satan's fishing, he's got the world system on the hook, and you're the stupid fish that's going after all the artificial lures. Y'all think about yourself that way? That's us. We've got to know what reality is so we don't go for artificial stuff. Any of y'all ever catch fish and wonder like, Ryan, have you ever thought, how stupid could this fish be to bite this? I mean, especially bass lures, right? And most of the time when it's a really stupid looking thing to catch a bass with, it's just because you made them angry. You've just made them, or you've jumped their instincts and they just, boom, I'm going to bite it now and I'll deal with it later, right? And that's true, Scott, fishing, man. You fool them into it, right? But that's what it is. Satan's fishing. He uses the world's system and, and, and our flesh it goes after that. So, man, you know, it's, it's all of that. But the serpent, it says, and it's talking about Satan, not necessarily the animal at this point, because all snakes weren't this way or whatever at this point. It was the serpent. It was Satan. He was more crafty than any other beast. What does it mean to be crafty? Anybody know, when you look at somebody who's a scrapbooker, you know, crafty. Now, now I'm not comparing you who go to Joann's and all those places that you are, say, are sir, you know, but when somebody's crafty, what, do you, what does that mean? What? 
Really? Is that what you think of all the people that go to Hobby Lobby and stuff? No, no, I'm just messing with you, Kathy. Yeah, no, they're manipulative, right? They can take raw materials and make them. Whoa, I didn't know you could put lace and glitter spray on that. You know, it's like, you're so you're creative, right? You're, man, how would you else, uh, Sam, how would you define crafty? If somebody's a crafty person, what would you, is Anna crafty? Yeah, dude. So she could probably make a cardboard box into something that you would wear, right? She can take something and do something creative to make it like, whoa, how did that? You can get fooled by this stuff. Wow, I would have never guessed that that was made out of edible paper, you know, or whatever. Crafty. How would you describe crafty, y'all? Cunning. Count me out. Schemer, yeah. Basically, when something's crafty, when they're done, it's not what it what it appears to be. It's it's kind of in disguise. It's kind of different. And, and there's certain craftiness that we're like, okay, that's cool. Other craftiness, like, oh, dude. And that's the kind of crafty Satan is. Satan is the ultimate crafter, <laughs> the ultimate crafty thing. He can take things. And in fact, here's the deal. Here's here's all you need to know really about the Bible. God is good and sin is bad. But you know what Satan does? He can turn around and say, God is bad and sin is good. God is bad and sin is good. You're going to see this in here. That's what he does. And he can dress it up, smell it up, fluff it up enough where we're like, I know that's sin, but boy, it looks good and it's going to work out this time. Oh, surely none of y'all have fallen for that and bit that bait, have you? How many times? So the serpent was more crafty than any other beast. I bet you'll never go into Joanne's and Hobby Lobby again. I want you to think about, beyond the where, your husband's like, finally, dude, you know where my credit card bill goes when they go in there? <laughs> They're crafty. They get you to buy stuff. No, but the serpent was, I am not bashing Joanne's and Hobby Lobby, okay? So the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. Satan was the most crafty critter there was. And look at this part. He was the most crafty beast of field that what? Who, who, made, who made Satan? God did. And, and God is all about love. God is all about his glory. So, so he made him very crafty. So you have some very hard decisions to make. And when you choose to do it God's way, you totally have to go against your flesh. And you really show God that you love him. I want you to get this. Satan didn't create himself. Satan's not omniscient and omnipotent, omnipresent. Satan is a created being. God brought him into the world and God is one day going to take him out. God is more powerful than Satan. The one that lives in us is what? Yeah, way more powerful than the one that lives in this world. But we have to put ourselves and submit to him. So serpent was more crafty than other, any other beast to feel the Lord God had made. And it wasn't like God made Satan and said, oh, man, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have done that. No, it's all part of God's plan. Remember, if you don't have a choice, you can't make a choice. And when you choose God, you show him how much you love him. He said the woman did, what was the first thing he did? What's the first thing he did here? Did God actually say? Hmm. Did God actually say? And by the way, did he go after Adam first? No, he didn't go after Adam first. Adam's in charge. Adam heard from God directly. His wife heard indirectly from Adam. And so in this, you know, Adam maybe didn't tell her correctly. You know, maybe Adam didn't tell her completely. Maybe she didn't listen completely. Regardless, bottom line is we're going to see that whatever the reason, she didn't know the word of God and chose not to obey what she even thought she knew about it in here. But the very first thing Satan came and did, Gary, was did God really say? How about when your flesh wants something? Man, I, I, I remember one story from years ago, Gary, and I think I got this right. <laughs> not, not your Maverick story <laughs> or Steamer Lane story, but man, oh, man, ha have you ever caught a fish, dude? A fish that was so good, but you thought you knew it was illegal, but you're just, you know, did, God, did FWC really say, <laughs> did they really say that it could only be this, that it could only... Man, did God, once you start doubting the rule, what happens next? When you start doubting the rule, what happens next, Thomas? Doubting Thomas. What happens next? When you start doubting the rule, what's next? You, it opens a door and you can disobey it. 
That's what, if we can start doubting God, if you start thinking that there's a million interpretations for God's word, then you can pick whichever one you want. I'm going to tell you, when you write somebody an email, when you send somebody a text, Terry, when you send somebody a text, how many interpretations of that text is there? Interpretations or applications? Interpretation, how many did you intend? You intended one. Now they can interpret it all they want. And aside from the way that you intended it, it would be wrong interpretation, correct? So you, do people have the right to do that? Like in your business? Oh, well, Terry said this and this is what it means. No, when all of a sudden everybody's like that, you got to go into office and say, hey, no, this is not. Again, there's one correct interpretation, but there's thousands of applications. There's thousands of ways people can interpret it. And if they don't have the right to do that with Terry's text, you don't have the right to do it with God's text. So it's important to know the word of God in context to know what he's actually saying in all of this, to saying what it is. The serpent is more crafty than any other beast of the field the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say? Did he really say? And look what he did. Now, what did God say to him? Y'all help me out. Uh, Again, not what this guy said, but what did God say? Out of all that, Benjamin, help me out, man. You're a Bible scholar right there. What, out of, what did God say they could do? Yeah, what could they do? Exactly. You, I mean, so here's a million trees, tons of fruit you can eat from and you can do, except one. So what did Satan bring up? The negative side. The negative side, because if he can get us focusing on what we can't do, Stephen, if he can get us to, 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 to pay more attention to what we can't do, then what do we stay focused on? What we can't do, instead of all the things that we can do. Devin, does he ever do that to you? You have millions of things you can do. You live on a sailboat, you got raw, and, and, and yet do you ever focus on, and I'm not trying to pick on you, it's all of us, but do you ever focus on the one thing that you don't have? The one thing that you can't do? the one thing that you're lacking, the one thing. And and so if he can do that, then are you ever enjoying Matthew? Are you enjoying all the things God has for you? No. So you see this? If he can get us ungrateful, because Karen, when you're grateful, everything's what? Great. Why should I be grateful for this situation? Well, because now God's saying you can't do this, but you can do all these other things. Dig it. But we have a heart set on one thing. We got to let God set it on on what he is going to do, what he does want in all of this. So he starts off by, instead of saying, oh, okay, so let me list all the things you can do, everything that's great. Let me list all of those for you. And then what's the one thing? No, he starts off, he doesn't even mention all the things they're allowed to do. Did God actually say, you can't eat of the tree in the garden? The one thing you can't do. He focuses on that. Has Let me ask you a question. Has he ever used that on you? Do you ever get overwhelmed by the one thing that you don't have access to, the one thing you can't do? So what's the answer? Maybe the answer is realizing this is the one thing God wants me, you know, to give to him. And maybe he wants me valuing all the things I can do. Because I know human nature and I know you guys, and we get overwhelmed. That's what most of my phone calls are with people, is a problem. A problem is, boom, I've made this a priority in my life. It's the one thing that's not right instead of dealing with all the good things you have that are right. So he said, did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? Hey, did God say that? You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? No, just can't. And he's getting her. And the woman said to the serpent, first of all, what's the problem here? Well, serpents don't talk, but anyway, she must have been okay doing that. But what do we learn? Are we, are we supposed to talk to the devil? No, in fact, I'll challenge you right now. Well, we're supposed to cast him out. We're supposed to say, you know, uh, show me one place in Scripture where you are told to cast out the devil, where you are told to have a conversation with the devil. There's a lot of bad theology out right now. And, and you, oh, we take authority and say and do. No, there's, we take authority. You know the best way to fight the devil is to do what God wants you to do. Show me, I'm throwing this open challenge on Facebook, on World Wide Web, whatever. You show me one place where we are told to talk to the devil. Dude, how does he describe the devil right off the bat? Crafty. Is the devil more crafty than you? Hey, Brandon, is the devil more crafty than you? So he can kick your little crafty, non-crafty tail, right? Because he's way craftier than you. Who thinks they can be more crafty than Satan? 
Who, man, you, who are we supposed to deal with? With God and let God deal with him. We say, Jesus, we focus on him. What does Matthew 6.33 says? But you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness while you're casting out the devil. No, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need will be added unto you, including kicking the devil out of your life. You seek him. Who's going to fight the devil better, you or, or Jesus? Yeah, dude. You know, you're like a little tattoo, and Jesus is like Mike Tyson. I'm just saying. It's like, you know, if you don't remember that, go look that up, because I got, it, I got my, my terminology wrong last time, but uh, on who tattoo was. It wasn't the plane. Anyways, but, but literally, you're this little squirt. God's huge. Let him deal with that. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And, and you know what? A lot of times these things we think that are attacks, God, they had to get God's permission to do it. And God wants to be glorified through it. He wants to do something good and make you more like him through that. So the woman said to the serpent, there's your first problem, talking to the devil. First problem, arguing with the devil, trying to do something with the devil. Dude, don't talk to the devil. Amen? <laughs> you got no place talking with the devil. That's God's job. He controls him. You are no match for Satan, but Christ, he's no match for Christ. You have Christ living inside you. You let Christ deal with that. The woman said to the serpent, oh, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. Okay, there it is. But God said, now look at this, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden. Okay. What was the name of that tree again? Yeah, she's kind of making it generic. I'm wondering if she would have thought, but we can't eat off the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If maybe she thought of it more specifically, she would have maybe said, oh yeah, this is what it does, you know, or thought more about it. I don't know. But she just made a generic fruit of the tree of the garden. And look at this, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Where did that touch thing come from? Did that come in Genesis 2? Did God say you can't touch it? No, he didn't say that. She brought that up. She's adding to the word of God. Aren't you glad you don't do that? She added, she said, oh, no, what are you going to massage it before you eat it? You know, I don't know. But she said, don't touch it lest you die. You know what God said? And tell me the difference between this. She said, uh, she said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree. It's in the middle of the garden. Neither shall you touch it or you might die. That's what lest you die is. You might die. You know what God said? He said, you can have everything except the tree of the knowledge of fruit, uh, the knowledge of good and evil. And if you eat it, you're going to die. You will surely die. What's the difference, man? She watered it down in her mind. And when you water it down in your mind, you water it down in your actions. God said, here's the tree specifically. And if you eat it, you will die. No ifs, ands, or buts. Have you ever sinned and thought, well, there's not going to be any consequences of this. That's what happens. She got lured back in and she didn't know the word of God. So whose job was, who did God speak to? Adam, right? So whose job was it to teach her the word of God? Adam. And so maybe Adam wasn't thorough. Maybe she wasn't a good listener, but the fact is she didn't understand. And you're going to see when we get into Ephesians about submission, that's one of the man's jobs is to make sure that his wife and his family are making decisions based on the word of God and they understand it and they're, they're coming together with it. That's one of his rules jobs in this. She didn't get it. For whatever reason, she didn't get the word of God. She made a bad decision with incomplete word of God or without doing the complete word of God. But the serpent said to her, so she was starting to doubt God's word. She, she didn't, she misquoted his word, misinterpreted. It. But look at this. But the serpent said to the woman, what do you say? Read that to me. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about that? He just, he's a liar. In fact, that's one of his names is liar. He's a good liar. Have you ever been lied to by a good liar? Come on, how many of y'all have ever been lied to by a good liar? And, and later you're like, oh my goodness. Yeah, he's the best liar. And he said, you will not surely die. Now, you know what he's telling her? The minute you eat this fruit, you are not going to physically die. Hey, so was that part true? Have you ever noticed that a good lie doesn't, isn't all lies, Scott? It's got an awful lot of truth in it. You're gonna, not going to do artificial lure. You're not going to bite it unless it looks something like the, or acts or something like a fish, right? It's got to have a little truth to it. You will not surely die. Go ahead and eat it. And, and, and when you don't die, then give it to your husband, man. 
and, 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 and tell him, look, God's a liar. God, God messed us up. God, God said, you're going to die physically when this happens. And look, you ate it and you didn't die. All right. Just, you will not die. But he blew off God's word, went totally against it. And she's being lured into it. It all started because she doubted it to begin with. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. You're going to be like God. When you do, you're going to be just like God. God doesn't want you to have it. God is good and sin is bad, right, Thomas? The devil's here. God is bad. Oh, God is bad. He's trying to rob you of something that you should have, Thomas. And sin is okay. Because that's going against this bad God. You see how he does it with sin? God is good and sin is bad. Y'all agree with that? But what he's saying here is, no, no, sin is, sin, sin is good because God is bad. God doesn't want you to have this. Man, you're going to be just like God. Hey, let me ask you a question. What does Satan get thrown out of heaven for? Hey, Rena, what did Satan get thrown out of heaven for? He's an angel of light, the worship leader. He wanted to be like God. He's counterfeit. He wants to be like God. And what's he encouraging Eve to do? To be like God. What's he encouraging you to do when he encourages you to sin and go against God's word? To twist it and say, that's not so bad. Oh, that's not the right. What's he encouraging you to do? To be like God. The same thing. It's the same ploy that he's always had. You, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. But you know what? Somebody described it like this, that now knowing good and evil, can you imagine if you could never hear and all of a sudden somebody now healed your hearing and all you could hear was screaming? How many of y'all would want to have your hearing? Uh, how many of y'all would like to hear if all you could hear is screaming? Because when their eyes got open, now all they could see was evil. Before, what was all that they saw? Good. Now they, all they could see was evil. It's like, again, having your hearing healed and all you can hear is screaming. It was not what they thought it would be. Because, and, and God knew that. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, hey, let me ask you a question. <laughs> can you see that something's good for food? I mean, there's things that look good, right, Terry? Have you ever actually bit into it and it was like, oh, your mom probably had like at one point in your life that wax fruit or something? Grandma, somebody. Did anybody have the wax fruit? You know what I'm talking about, dude? Yeah, it looked like it was good for food, right? <laughs> Any of y'all ever have the audacity to bite into it and see? I, I just had to see. I've actually been into it before, and the owner was not happy. Last week, I got in big trouble for doing it. No, I'm just joking. But, but literally, look at this. Side. She saw that it was good for food. Man, when do you know it's good for food? When you taste it, right? She saw, so what's she doing here? She's assuming. Isn't it interesting that when we start doubting God's word, now we got to come up with all of, the, all of the logic, all of the reasoning, all of the sensory thing. God just said, no, it's not good. You don't eat it. This is not what you have. Why? Well, because I said so. How many of y'all like that from your parents? Because I said so. That's what God said, because I said so. They're supposed to obey. But she saw it. Hmm, Satan put the idea in her head. It looks like it's good to eat, man. And uh, yeah, uh, it might have been, you know, but it looked good. She's assuming that. And it was a delight to the eyes. You ever look at something good and you just can't take your eyes off it? And, and your desire grows more and more? And the tree was to be desired to make one wise, to make me like God. Wow. God cre creates worlds. God destroys worlds. God can do all these things. You know what? If I can be like God, I don't need God. I can do whatever God wants, and I can do. I can. I can be like God. I don't need God. What a good deal, right? No, because you can't be that much like God. So she took its fruit and ate. She gave some to. She ate it. All right. And after she ate it, she took some and gave it to her husband. So here it is. God put a, a, a Adam in charge. She took it. She took it. She's the helper. And now here she comes with the one thing God said not to do. She comes and she takes it and she, she gives it to her husband. You're, uh, if you're the husband, what do you say when she's giving you the fruit? What do you say when she's bringing it to you? 
What's the Sunday school answer, Thomas? What should you say? <laughs> yeah, what should you say? Well, no. no, no. Hey, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? What are you doing, God? Man, God said not to do it. You ate of that? That was like we had uh, shish kebabs on, and, and, and we had like raw chicken and raw scallops. And, and Kennedy's like, yeah, dude, I just ate some raw chicken. I'm like, what? No, you're not supposed to eat raw chicken. You know, it's like, yeah. It's like, oh, really? Let me have a piece of raw chicken. <laughs> How's that? Is that? That's what she did, actually. She, she said, oh, but look, I ate it. And what was supposed to happen to me when I ate it? What, was, what, did, what did Satan tell her was supposed to happen when she ate it? She's going to physically die. There's a physical and spiritual death that both come with this because now once they, uh, their eyes were open, they were going to physically die and not live forever, but they immediately spiritually died. So again, look, I can eat raw chicken and not die. <laughs> Can't you eat raw chicken and not die immediately? Yeah, but can you die eventually? <laughs> yeah, especially how depends on how old it is and how raw it was. But uh, in that, so, so there it was. Look, I didn't die. I didn't see consequences come immediately. Isn't that what happens sometimes we sin? The first time we sin, we're like, we're like, man, you know what? Look, nothing happened. Look, we did this and nothing happened. In fact, in Ecclesiastes, it says that because the consequences don't come expediently, man continues to sin. But know that there's a timeline on sin. Look what happens to society by violating God's principles in this. She took the fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband. Her husband should have had the guts to stand up and say, honey, I love you, <laughs> but that's wrong, I, and not just do it. How many men have ever given in and done something stupid because someone you're, a, a wife or a girlfriend you're in love with said to do it? Raise your hand, Terry. You know you've done it. Every one of you have, right? Every one of you have. Because, ooh, I don't want to jeopardize the relationship or, hey, you know, what's it going to hurt? Or, hey, okay, I've watched it happen. I mean, I'm just saying I've done it, okay? And I'm not saying women are bad or anything like that. Please don't take any of that. But I'm just saying when somebody, peer pressure, when somebody comes to you and says, hey, here, let's do this. And like, well, I just don't want the controversy. And what's it going to hurt? Oh, you're right. You didn't die physically. Man, we got to think. She gave some to her husband who was with her. And what did he do? He ate it. Gary, what was he supposed to do? Well, as a spiritual leader of the family, he's supposed to say in the most loving way, look, we're in this, this mission together to serve the Lord, and this is not what God wants us to do. Now, you've already done it, and I haven't, so you should probably go to God and repent. Go to God and beg for mercy and say, God, I messed up and did it. You know, that's what you should be going and doing, and that's where they should have been. We're going to continue this next week, but I want to make one super quick point on this about a tree was good for food. It was a delight to the eyes and a tree to, make, to be desired to make one wise. Check this out. You guys have heard me say this before. We've done it in Bible study, but I would be remiss if I didn't bring it up right now. According to 1 John chapter, uh, chapter 2, you can go to verse 15, 16, and 17, and he says, don't love the world or the things of the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father's not in you. You have a choice. When you're choosing to love the world, you're choosing not to love the Father. You can't have it both at the same time. That's what he says. But he said, all the world has to offer is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Maybe in a different order there. And so there's only three ways you can be tempted, guys. There's only three ways you can be tempted. Every temptation is going to fall into one of those three. He said, the woman saw that the tree was good for food. She saw it was good for food. The dog saw that those cookies were good for food, and there was a pile of them on the... Uh, what's the dog's instinct going to do if they see a pile of them on the table? Eat them! But someone made in God's image should do something totally different. She saw it was good for food. So there's lust of the flesh. There's things that our flesh wants that God said no. One of those is sex before marriage. Amen, young people? I'm not hearing Amen. Come on, young people who are married, what? Say it boldly, guys. Come on. 
Is sex before marriage wrong? Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Y'all scare me when y'all are like, oh, what? You know, no. (laughs) Watch this. Hey, married guys, having a side chick is wrong, right? Yeah. See that? All right. Yeah. That's how you're supposed to answer that out there, right? So, man, but there's things, the lust of the flesh, where your flesh wants something, but God said, no. If you love God, what do you choose? What God wanted, no matter how much your flesh wants something. You know, with every addiction that's out there, quitting is not the hard thing. Quitting's not hard. The hard part is what? Not starting again. It's when you get ready to, you have the temptation in front of you. Temptation is a chance to do something good in a bad way. (laughs) You're doing something that's pleasurable, but in a bad way. And so in this, man, when the temptation comes, you say, no, because I love God. Even if your desire, wouldn't it be awesome to say, man, I'm not even tempted by that. I don't have, oh my goodness, I am so tight with God, I don't even want that. And that's an awesome place to be. That's what we're shooting for. And that's the way it's going to be in heaven. We won't want anything God doesn't want us to have. But right now on earth, we're dealing with Satan as a fisherman. He's got the world system as a lure on a hook. And you're a little fish unless you're listening to God telling you, don't bite that hook, don't bite that hook, don't bite that hook. You know? It looks good, though. It looks good. I want it. I want it. I want it. And, 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 and you got to say no. So the idea again is even if you do want it, but you know what God's word says, you love God, my body wants this. My mind wants it. My heart wants it. Everything about me wants it, but you don't want me to have it. So because I love you more than I love me, I'm going to choose to say no. Amen? That's how we overcome it. And we overcome it with the word of God. What did Eve blow and Adam and Eve? Did God not tell them, don't do this? He used the word of God. And what did they do with the word of God? They blew it off. You remember when Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights? And during that whole time, the devil was tempting him. If you've been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, or you've been sitting in church for two hours and your stomach's growling and, and you know there's food, well, what are you more than anything in the world at that point? Hungry. So where would Satan tempt Jesus? Food. Hey, if you're really a son of God, why don't you make these stones bread? You know, that's not bad. I can stay out here and fat, but dude, I could use a little donut, man. Poof. You know, he could have made them into donuts, could have made them for, into bagels or, you know, whatever he wanted to make them into. He could have made them into anything. But what did he say? You remember what he quoted from Deuteronomy? He said, man doesn't live by bread alone. A man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He quoted the word of God and he succeeded in this. That's how he overcame the lust of the flesh. Adam and Eve failed because they blew off God's word and went with their emotions, their heart, and their mind. You can justify everything. So the woman saw the tree was good for his lust of the flesh. It was a delight to the eyes, the lust of the eyes. Oh my goodness, there it is. In all its glory, I have to have it. And none of y'all are that way, are you? I'm talking like maybe it's a marketplace. Maybe it's Amazon. Maybe it's a store. Maybe it's, I don't know. I don't know what it is for you, but the lust of the eyes. How many of y'all would admit that you see things and you're like, oh my goodness. You close your eyes and you still see it. You open your eye, there it is. It's like all I can think about is that. And each time you look at it, it gets better, doesn't it? It gets better and better and better. And and there's the lust of the eyes. And again, so Satan uses your eyes. He uses your desires, your emotions, your will, and your mind to lure you to bite his artificial bait. God's the only one with the real one. He doesn't have a hook in it. This is artificial. It's going to hook and you're going to end up in his frying pan eternally. Think about that analogy. That's where you're going to end up when you bite his bait. The man, lust of the eyes. So you see something, man. You're like, I shouldn't be looking, man. I, I shouldn't be looking. I don't need to be looking at this. I need to stop. I want to, I want to. So you love God, so you choose God over yourself or even anybody else. You choose Him. 
Hey, because if you don't have a choice, you can't make a what? You can't make a choice. If you don't have a choice, you can't make a choice. So that's why God allows the choices in your life. Why do we have this in our society? Why? Because if you don't have a choice, you can't make a choice. And if you can't make a choice for him, you can't show him how much you love him. So make the choice for him. You remember Jesus? Satan took him up into a mountain. You remember that? Took him up into a mountain and showed him what he showed him. The whole world. Was there really a mountain that you could see the whole world in? Has the devil ever showed you something that looks like the whole world? Oh, this is it. Oh my goodness. This is such a great, this is it. And he showed Jesus and then he offered it to him. Who owned it already to begin with? Jesus did. If he has the audacity to offer Christ something Christ already owns, imagine the garbage he's offering you. And if he's a deceiver and the liar, imagine how good he is at making it look good. So how do we fight it off when it looks so good and it's so awesome looking? How do we fight it off? The word of God. We take the word of God. And that's what Jesus did again when you go read in Luke and Matthew of when he fought off the temptations in the wilderness. He quoted scripture again. No, you worship the Lord your God. That's all you worship is him. That's what scripture says. I ain't worshiping you, even if you could give me this. He didn't even get into the argument. He said, I'm not worshiping God. I'm not worshiping you. I'm worshiping God. So lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. There's only three ways you can be tempted. Every temptation you face is going to fall into one of these three. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. And look at the last one. And the tree was to be desired to make one wise. Wise. What was the definition of wise here? She took of its fruit and ate, and she gave to her her husband, and he also ate. And and look at this next part. Then their eyes were both open. And we're not going to go any further in this. I'll pick this all up next week. But the thing in here is look at the last, the pride of life. It's going to make you like God. It's going to make you like God. You're going to be equal with God. You know what? Whenever God, that's the pride of life. That's the last one. I don't need God. I don't need God for this decision. You know what? I know God says this, but here's the, God, I got this one. Bottom line is anytime you violate God's principles, you're in trouble. There's going to be consequences. The wages of sin is death. It may be physical death. Guaranteed, there's going to be some spiritual death. And in the end, it's going to be even more than that. You have death of dreams, hopes, desires, relationships, the death of anything when we violate God's principles. We have to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and everything we need will be added unto us. It will then be right. Faith makes you really stupid, said Noah, until it started to rain. Faith makes you look foolish. It's not going to work out. It's not going to be good. It doesn't look, but you know what? God's got a plan in all of it, and he promises we seek him first in his kingdom and do what he wants us to do. He's going to work it all out. It is never right to violate scripture, to violate God's word. Again, that's what happened with Jesus. You remember the devil took him to the pinnacle of the temple and there were worshipers down there. And he said, you know what? He said, jump. And he started, he even misquoted scripture. You jump Psalm 92, I think it is. He said, man, God's going to send angels and catch you before you dash your toe on a stone. You're not going to get hurt. Everybody's going to know that God saved you. You're the Messiah. You don't have to go to the cross. It won't take 2000 years. We can knock this plan out way quicker than God did. Jump. And he said, don't tempt the Lord your God. He blew off Satan and succeeded again because he obeyed the word of God. Regardless of what your emotions, your heart, and your mind say, you've got to obey God's word. Only three ways you can be tempted. Adam and Eve failed in all three because what did they do with God's word? They blew it off. God, Christ succeeded because what did he do with God's word? He let it rule his life. And we're going to end right here in this. So you know what? Whatever the world wants to say about marriage, whatever the world wants to say about morality, whatever the world wants to say about anything, the world's got something to say about. You know what? They can say it. And if everybody in the world believes it, but if it's, wrong, if it's against what God says, the world's wrong. Whatever God says is right. You have a choice. Why does God give you a choice? Brandon, why does God give you a choice? So you can choose him because when you choose him, you love him. Your wife right there, that's your wife, right? You know, 
do you love your wife? You're not just saying that because you were here in church. You love your wife. Does he love you? He loves you, right? You know how you show her you love her? By choosing her over other things. That's how you show anybody you love them, by choosing them over other things. And that's why, and if you don't have a choice, you can't make a choice. So that's why God gives us a choice. Choose him. As born again believers, he's given us grace. We have the Holy Spirit of God living in us. It's given us the desire and ability to not only make the choice, but to do the right thing. And that's what we need to do. He promises one day it's all going to be worth it. But I guarantee you, even while you're on this earth, it will be worth it. Because the wages of sin is death. It kills everything. Let's pray. <coughs> Father, I'm coming in the name of Jesus, and I'm grateful for this scripture. Grateful that we can go back to the beginning and know what your plan was for this planet. Know what your plan, uh, uh, not that your plan changed. But it's grateful to know, uh, man, as I said, so many of these things in Genesis 1 and 2 were does statements just a few years ago. But now, <laughs> just the opposite is being treated as fact. There's scientific proof, quote unquote, to back it up. And Father, there's so much confusion in this world. But Father, we can avoid this confusion if we will just know your word, know it in context, and if we will obey your word. Father, thank you for giving us choices so that we have the chance to choose you. Because when we choose you, we show you how much we love you. So thank you for choices. Help us be able to dig down and find the grace we need to choose the right thing. Help us to know the devil can't make us do anything as believers. And if, Father, there is someone here that's never given their life to Christ, Father, help them to see that all they've got is instinct. And all the devil's got to do is dangle the right bait in front of their face. And they're hooked. And there's some bad junk on the bait on the hooks right now, Father, in this world we live in. Father, I pray that there's someone here that's not sure that they've given their life to Christ. They don't know that they're going to heaven when they die. They've, they've never had the faith to believe that what you did on the cross pays for their sins. But right now, they have a desire to surrender everything they know about themselves to everything they know about you. Father, I pray they would surrender because it's crazy world's getting crazier and we all need to choose you. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name, amen.